Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message reaches you wherever you are at today in whatever situation you are facing. We pray that the Lord ministers to your life. Hang on till the end, and I want to say a couple more things to you before we're done. Good morning, Landmark Church. How you doing today? Good to see you. We are in our last week of the sermon series, Unoffendable, and uh, hopefully I can do this without offending you today. Just kidding. Good to see you. Glad that you are with us. I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for some beautiful weather outside. I saw a cardinal the other day, and uh, I I'm, I'm, guess I'm old school. I'm getting old enough now. I pay attention to that kind of stuff, and uh, means springs around the corner, I believe, but anyway hoping for that. It's close by. Amen. Uh, we are having a family movie night here tonight. The men's ministry is putting that on, and you're welcome to come to that. It's a Christian movie called Family Camp, and so that's at 6 p.m. tonight. Amen. Won't you stand with me if you're able? I know we've been standing a lot this morning, but we like to honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 17. We read this scripture last week, but I actually want to read one more verse that we didn't read last week, and uh, I think sometimes because of page or chapter breaks or even um, number breaks they my bible starts a whole nother heading but i believe these actually go together and i'm going to talk about this morning how do we deal with the fence luke chapter 17 are you ready for the word of the lord this morning then he said to his disciples it is impossible that no offenses should come but woe to him through whom they do come it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, and he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that your word is active in our life right now. And Father, I just believe supernaturally you're giving us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And Father, you're giving us the boldness to be the kinds of people that live out the life you've called us to live. So we just ask for your precious Holy Spirit to be with us this morning during your word. We thank you for planting a seed in our heart that will produce a harvest for your glory. And we ask all these things in the mighty and the holy and the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people together said amen, amen. turn around high-five somebody or look at him and say I'm glad I get to sit by you and you may be seated <laughs> let me kind of just remind you of some things we've been talking about the last couple weeks if you haven't listened to those I encourage you to go to our YouTube page or Facebook and, and listening to those sermons, but we've been talking about offense, and the word offense, the Greek word is the word scandalon, and it's literally the idea of a trap, a trigger, and the word actually means a stumbling block, and the reason this is important is because the enemy 
wants all of us to have a stumbling block. Amen? The enemy wants every single one of us to have something in our life that's like a trigger. And the moment we get offended, the moment somebody says something that bothers us, the moment we're hurt, it wants that to be a trigger. And we've talked about the trap of offense. If we're not careful, we will get trapped in offense. And the weight of offense, the weight that we're carrying. And the reason all of this is important is because I believe that God wants us to be everything he has called us to be. And here's the thing, Jesus said, it is impossible, just read it again, preached on it last week, it is impossible that offense will not come. It's impossible that you will not have times in your life where you have the opportunity to be offended. And let me just throw something to mess your theology up a little bit. I believe those opportunities are actually sent from God sometimes. In New Zealand, over 40%, almost 50% of the birds in New Zealand do not fly, cannot fly. Now, it's not just because they have flightless birds in New Zealand. They have those kind of birds. They have a lot of different species of flightless birds. But they actually have birds that were created to fly. They have the wings and the ability to fly, but they never learn to fly. Matter of fact, their wings never develop to where other birds in other places develop. They're small, they're little stubby wings because they never learn to fly. And here's the reason they don't learn to fly. Because in New Zealand, they do not have the mammal predators that we have in other countries. There's not the bobcats. There's not the foxes. There's not the coyotes. There's not these animals that cause the birds to fly up in the air and seek protection. And so they walk around all the time. They're living this cool, peaceful little life because nothing's trying to attack them. But they never fully become what God intended them to become. And here's the problem. I think we need sometime the opposition to come our way. Because if we don't have opposition, then we don't have full maturity that we're called to walk in. I think sometimes we need these opportunities to arise. We need some opposition. Because as the opportunity arises, as the opposition comes our way, in that moment, we are able to say, God, I want you to help me work in this, and we're able to grow. Our life is able to be changed and grow. And I believe this, you were not meant to walk around doing nothing. You were meant to soar with the eagles. You were meant to fly. You were meant to make a difference. You were meant to go high. And I believe that God created you to do that, but the only way you walk that out sometimes is when there is opposition coming your way. Amen? And so this morning, I want to ask this question. How do we deal with people when they offend us besides punching them in the face? Okay? Some of you are like, I turn the other cheek, but I swing as I turn the other cheek. How do you deal when people say things that offend you? How do you deal when people do things that are offensive to you and bothers you? How do you respond? And let me tell you this first. I said this last week a little bit, but I want to hit on it more right now. Jesus says this, before you deal with anybody else and their problems, first deal with yourself. Here's what he said. There's no there's no issue that offense is going to come at some point in your life. There's no doubt about that. But then he says, woe to him through whom it does come. 
In other words, before you worry about everybody else offending you, ask this question, am I living the kind of life that is offending other people? Am I doing things that is offensive to other people? Because Jesus said it this way, and this is kind of mafia stuff right here. He said it would be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and you thrown into the sea. It would be better for some cinder blocks to be tied to your feet and you cast in a river than it would be for you to offend one of these little ones. And my little ones, I don't think he just means children. That was part of it. But I also believe he's talking about specifically those that are new to the faith. Somebody's new to the faith and you begin to live the kind of life and talk to them or even people that have come to know Jesus. I believe we're all little ones in his sight. And here's the truth. Jesus said it would be better for you to have something tied around your neck and thrown in the sea than you offend people. And I know what your first thought is. Well, preacher, shouldn't I be able to talk to people about things and be honest about things? Yes, you should. Shouldn't I confront things at times? Yes, you should. We'll talk about that in a minute, but here's the thing. It's not about what you do. It's also about how you do it. And if you don't do it in a spirit of love, if you don't do it in a place of love, if you confront things, you say, well, you know what, I'm just going to tell them the truth, and I don't care if they like it or not. That's not biblical. The Bible says this in Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into all things. Maturity happens when we are able to speak the truth in love. Maturity happens when we're able to talk to people in love and explain to them in love what is going on. And because of that, we're able to see people mature and grow. And Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. He says this, that if you can have all the love you want, but if you are, excuse me, you can do all these good things, but if you don't do it in love, then you are nothing more than a clanging symbol. It's going to sound like noise in people's ears. And here's the truth. You need to confront things at times. You need to say the truth at times. But Jesus came and he brought grace and truth. They are two sides to the same coin. We speak the truth, but we do it in love. Amen? And so we have to ask ourselves, am I, am I operating in love or am I just being like a bull in a china closet, offending people and not caring what happens? And Jesus said, Paul said it this way. He said in 1 Corinthians, he said this. He said, what, what happens is this. At the end, after I preach, I make sure I've disciplined myself so that I myself am not accursed. Here's what that means. Let me say this to you in love, because some of you might have this tattooed on your body today, and if I do, I apologize. You might have wasted your money on some ink. You know what the biggest scripture, the biggest scripture people tried to use against the church? Well, judge not. Judge not. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't. It says, judge not that you be not judged. You can take any two words in the Bible and just quote those two words and not quote the meaning behind them. Judge not that you be not judged. For whatever measure you judge others, you will be judged with. Let me say it to you in modern vernacular. Before you go try to rattle the skeletons in everybody else's closet, take care of the skeletons in your own closet. If you're going to judge others, make sure that you've taken... Jesus isn't saying that we don't judge people's actions because the Bible says that we judge people by their fruit. There are times we are fruit inspectors and we have to look at things. But all he's saying is this, before you go around judging everybody else, you make sure that you're living the kind of life that people can follow, that people can look at, and they can say, that's like Jesus. He's not saying you have to be perfect, but he is saying this, before you point out everybody else's sin, look at yourself and judge yourself. what I want you to hear this morning is before we judge other people that have offended us first thing is we're looking at ourselves and saying God I don't want to live a life that is offensive to other people Amen? amen so what do we do when people 
offend us? How do we handle it? Four things this morning. There's a biblical path. The first one isn't spelled out in the Bible, but it's biblical, okay? Number one is this. We're going to get into Matthew 18 in a few moments and it tells us exactly what to do. But the number one is take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. If somebody offends you, instead of automatically running to them or another person, I think the first thing you should do is learn to take it to the Lord. Talk to the Lord about it. Because here's the thing. The Lord can work things out in ways that you can't imagine. I have an embarrassing story. When I was about five years old, I was in kindergarten, and I have a bully that was bullying me, and it's embarrassing because it was a little girl that was bullying me. <laughs> and this girl was, I mean, she was just kind of bullying me around. And I, I went home one time, right at, and I said, Mom, do me a favor. I was talking to my mom. I knew my dad would just blow it off, but this was Mama Bear. And I'm like, Mom, this lady... This little girl will not leave me alone. Would you please tell the teacher to move me or move her? I can't handle him. I don't even want to go to school. She's rude. She's mean. She yells at me. I have to do what she says. Um, and so, and my, my mom told me something. I was five years old, but I've never forgot this my whole life. My mom said, let's pray about it for a few days. And then if nothing happens, I'll call and talk to the teacher. But let's first pray about it. And I remember with my mom praying about this situation and either the next day or a couple days after the teacher without anybody saying a word nobody talking to anybody I didn't say anything my mom didn't say anything the teacher literally moves the little girl and she went to another table bullied somebody else and I got left alone <laughs> but what I learned in that moment was if I will give things to the Lord there are times I don't have to try to deal with things. I don't have to try to confront things if I will first take it to the Lord. This is a great example in 2 Samuel chapter 10. In 2 Samuel chapter 10, the king of Amnon dies and his son becomes king. And David says, you know what? The king of Amnon, he was kind to us and so he showed us kindness. So I want to send some servants and show him kindness. It would be like today if a president of another country dies, then our president sends, he goes or he sends a representative and he goes, I'm going to send some servants and they're going to go represent Israel and they're going to be thankful and just say thank you for your kindness to us sorry your dad died we want to honor you so the servants go and they show up but the servants of the new king tell him they're not here to show you kindness they're here to spy out the place they're looking to see our weakness now that your dad's dead they think they can take us over and so you got to do something about this and so the king's son says here's what we're going to do he says take those servants and he cuts off he shaves their beards in half you have to understand in the middle east even to this day beard the beard was a sign of maturity a sign of respect it was a sign of somebody who had some that had lived a while, that they'd grown this long beard. And so he says, I'm going to embarrass you by shaving off half of your beard. And then he says this, I want you to take their robe, and I want you to cut it all the way up, and this is the King James, New King James Version, to their buttocks, is what it says. I want you to take their robe, and I want you to cut it off to their buttocks, and I want you to send them back. In other words, they're going to go back, their beard's been shaved, and they're literally showing their rear end, and I want you to send them back to David. We're going to humiliate them. They think they can go show us some things. We're going to humiliate them, and we're going to send them back. And so the servants send word to David. They've cut off our beard, cut off our robe. What do we do? And David said this. David said, you go to Jericho, and you stay there until your beard grows back. And then you come home. He doesn't tell them anything else. But here's the interesting thing. The word Jericho means a place of fragrance. It means a sweet place. 
And what David says is, you go to Jericho, you go hang out at the sweet place, and don't worry about it. Just grow your beard back. and That's all he tells them. But behind the scenes, David tells his army, you guys get ready. We're going to go back and we're going to avenge what happened to them. We're going to go back and get their honor back. These guys have no idea. They're hanging out in a sweet place. But David is working behind the scenes and he sends the army. And they go and they destroy this army. They kill the Syrian army that comes up against them. And their honor is restored. And those guys knew nothing about it. They were hanging out at the sweet place. And here's the word I want to tell you this morning. Whenever you have somebody that does you wrong you go hang out at the sweet place you be kind and you be sweet some of you say I was gonna say keep being sweet but for some of you need to start being sweet (laughs) but you go and you be kind and you be sweet and here's what God does God said I'll fight the battle for you if you'll go do that I'll fight behind the scenes you go and you hang out at the sweet place you treat them with love you treat them with kindness even when it doesn't make sense and I will fight the battle for you I am the God that goes before you I'm the God that will fight your battles I'm the God that will defeat the enemy but you've got to hang out in your sweet place you hang out in a place of kindness and you let God fight your battles amen And so what I'm learning to do in that moment is I'm giving it to the Lord. I'm trusting him. I'm saying, God, it's yours. They've offended me. That bothered me. What they said about me, how they treated me, it offended me. But I'm going to first go to the Lord because the Lord can work it out without you ever having to say anything to anybody. He can work it out in you and with them if you give it to him. Amen? So then, if, if, but if there's an obvious conflict there, and the truth is this. I don't mean this bad. hope this doesn't offend anybody. But the truth is, church is good till people show up. Okay? That's just the truth. Any organization is good. The, the pastor joke, I don't mean this bad, is pastor would be great if it wasn't for people. But I mean, that's a joke. But anyway, the point is, the point is that anything, anytime you deal with people, it makes things difficult. It makes things hard. Because personalities are involved. And people like different things. And if all I had, you know, if any preacher, not just me, if any preacher all he did is get up and just speak and go about the rest of their week, it would be one thing. But you deal with people. You deal with individuals. That's just the truth, the nature of life. And the truth is this. We have different personalities, so at times there's going to be conflict that happens in our life. How do we deal with that? If I know there's a conflict between me and a brother, the Bible says this, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, Jesus said, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. The first thing is you go to that person one-on-one. You go to that person one-on-one. Matter of fact, here's what Jesus said. I love this. This is hilarious to me. If you don't read the Bible and laugh, you're not reading it right, okay? I, I find laughter everywhere. Jesus said, if your brother has ought against you, if you know that somebody's mad at you, when you go to the altar with your gift and you know somebody's got a problem with you, leave your gift there and go make it right. I love that because Jesus said, just in case you don't make it back, we still want your gift. <laughs> I mean, he literally says, leave your gift at the altar and go deal with them. Okay, I just love that. That's hilarious to me. But that's what Jesus said. The truth is this. When I know somebody has a problem with me, when I know there's something there and it's eating at me and it's eating at them, biblically, the way I handle it is I go to them one-on-one. Before I go to anybody else, before I go air my dirty laundry, I go to that person. Because as I go to them and we're able to work it out in the moment, the Bible says you have gained a brother. You have gained
gained somebody in your life that now you can work with. Why? Because you went to them one-on-one and you said, this is the problem. This is what happened. Jesus said it this way. He said, if somebody offends you, rebuke. And we love the word rebuke because all, all of a sudden we feel like, yeah, I can tell you like it is. That's not what the word rebuke means. It literally means to acknowledge, to admonish. In other words, if somebody offends you, don't just walk on down the road and act like it didn't bother you. Realize, I have a hurt in my life. I have an offense. Lord, I'm going to talk to you first, but if this is something that still bothers me, what do I do? I go to that person. Let me just say this to you. I know this is not necessarily shouting material today, but just hear me. It also matters how you go to that person. And let me say this to you. If somebody comes to you, how you deal with this. And I'll tell you the story in my life that when I was a teenager, we prayed for a young man that had demonic spirits. We're praying for him in a youth group, and literally, he begins to manifest demonic activity right there, and we pray for him. And I'll be honest, he got kind of wild in the moment. I felt like he had found freedom. I thought everything was good. His dad comes to me a couple months later. We, have this, we had this thing. Some of y'all didn't grow up in these kind of churches. We had these things called foot washings, Okay. Now, here's the thing about a foot washing. Let me just time out and tell you this real quick. I believe, even biblically, you can make a case that foot washing is up there with communion. But here's what happens. Anytime we had a foot washing in church, we never told anybody because nobody would show up when we did that that night, okay? It's like you would just show up, and they're like, we're having a foot washing tonight. Women in this room, men in this room, we're going to wash each other's feet. And some people would go to the bathroom and never come back and couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> Hadn't had a pedicure lately. They're not going to do it. Like, no way. But we had a foot washing, and... Foot washing is this moment of humility where you're, you know, ta- you're, I mean, washing somebody's feet. It's obviously humility. But what happened, this man come to me, came to me and said, I've been angry at you for months. And he said, I feel like my, my son rebelled, and it was because of the way you guys treated him and prayed over him and embarrassed him. He's not living the way he's supposed to. I want to say, well, evidently, he wasn't living the way he was supposed to before because he's literally showing demons. But I didn't say that. Um, but he said, I, I, I'm offended by you. I've been offended by you, and I want to wash your feet and for God to bring restoration. But listen, in that moment, for him, it was freeing, and I'm glad. he needed to do it. I understood. I'm not mad at him. But you know what? I never knew the guy was angry at me. So now I have to deal with these feelings of this guy has hated me for months, and I, have no, I had no idea. And I had to figure out, okay, what is my part in this? So what I'm telling you is this. There are times it's obvious there's a problem between you and somebody else. I mean, every time you see each other, you bow up at each other. That's kind of obvious. But there's sometimes that we, both sides don't recognize it. And my point is just use wisdom when you talk to people. Don't think that they feel the same way you do. They may be living their life not even thinking anything's wrong. And then all of a sudden you say, well, you know, we've hated each other for 10 years. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought you were my best friend. So my point is this. We have to learn to use wisdom when we talk to people and confront things. But the first thing is go to them one-on-one. Are you still with me this morning? Say amen. Okay, number two, if that person decides, I don't care what you're talking about, I want nothing to do with it, um, we have no problem, there's nothing here, or I refuse to forgive you, whatever it is. Matthew 18 goes on to say this in verse 16. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear to the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. 
Jesus is saying there, if you go to somebody and say, there's a problem between us, we need to deal with it, I want your forgiveness, and I want, I want, you, to, I want you to forgive me, and I want, I want to forgive you, those kind of things, then if a person says, no way, then you take somebody else with you, and you try to help people work on things. And then Jesus said, if that doesn't work, bring them before the church. Now listen, I'm going to tell you this, if you come to me and say, Pastor, there's somebody, this has happened, I want you to drag them on stage, and I want you to confront them in front of everybody, I'm not going to do that, okay, I can tell you that. But I do believe there are biblical ways, even in a setting, that we we can deal with things. And here's also, but here's what Jesus says. If they refuse, after all of that, to say they will not do anything, he, he's not saying that you treat them like they're a heathen and a tax collector, like you don't like them. His point is this. Those are people that you don't usually deal with. Those are people that you don't hang out with. He said, if that's the case, then you have to move on and realize that relationship has been severed, but you've done everything you can to try to bring about a resolution. And here's the thing I want you to see this morning. Once again, next week we'll, we'll run around the room shouting camp meeting songs. Okay, whatever. I know this is, not, this is not that style, but I'm telling you this. What brings us to maturity is when we learn to do things the biblical way and we begin to operate from a spirit that Jesus taught us that all of a sudden I am learning to not do things in my flesh and on my own. In my flesh, I'm going to scream at that person in the moment and I'm going to destroy a relationship. But now I can back up, I can pray about it, then I can go to them one-on-one -on -one and say, this is bothering me, we got to get this figured out. And that person says, I don't want to speak to you, then you take somebody else with you, let them be the go-between. If that doesn't work, you take them to the church and have more people that are spiritual begin to work in that situation. And if no Nothing will ever be done, then there may come a time where you have to cut things off. But listen to me, many times out of hurt, we want to cut things off immediately. And I'm telling you this, Jesus said it is more important that you gain a brother. It is more important. Jesus' whole goal is restoration. His whole goal is reconciliation. Because this, when we stand by each other in church, we are an army. And guess what an army does? An army fights for each other. And if I have somebody I don't like, then I'm not going to protect them. We are called to be in this thing together. Together. We are called to protect one another. We are called to fight on the same side. We are not fighting each other. We are fighting the enemy. We are fighting the systems of this world that are trying to come against Christ and his kingdom. And we do this together. And I'm tired of the church shooting its wounded. I'm tired of the church destroying itself from within. We can stand here together as the army of God and fight for each other and love one another and care for one another and be the people. God has called us to be. Amen? And so, but here's the number four, and I believe this is the most important, no matter what happens. If the person says, I forgive you, let's have reconciliation. Or if the person says, no way, and we're moving on, this is number four. No matter what, walk in forgiveness. No matter what, for your own sake, you've got to walk in forgiveness. Listen to what Jesus said. This is so powerful to me. Listen to this. He said, if he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times a day he repents, you need to forgive him. The reason Jesus, he's honestly kind of given an absurd number. Because at one point, Jesus said, Peter thinks seven times seven is a good number. Hey, listen, how about I forgive him seven times seven? And Jesus said, how about 70 times seven? Jesus isn't saying on the eighth time that he sins against you in one day, you can punch him in the face now. That's not what he's saying. His point is... Even though he comes time and time again, and he continues to do things against you, but he repents, you have to forgive him. But listen to what the apostles' response was. Lord, increase our faith. 
You know what? The apostles never said that when Jesus said, go and do miracles. The lame are going to leap and the blind are going to see. Go, go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They didn't say, well, Lord, increase our faith. They didn't say that on any other time that Jesus mentioned anything. You know the time they said it is when he said, you have to forgive those that have hurt you. In that moment, they said, Lord, increase our faith. You know why? Because the apostles were not dummies. They realized, I can't do this in my own strength and in my own power. And I want to say this to you as kindly as I can today because we in the church have sugar-coated the gospel. And here's what we've made it act like, that church... And following Jesus should be simple and should be easy. That is a lie. There is one point in John chapter 6 that Jesus looks at the, the disciples, all of them, not just the 12, all those that were following him, and understand why they're following him. They are following him because he has cool tricks and, and a buffet for them to eat. Okay? Like they're following him because of the miracles and the loaves and fishes. Okay? I mean, you got Circus Olay and Golden Corral, and man, you're good to go right here. I mean, like, he's over there like, Jesus, do that cool trick where you move your hand and something cool happens and somebody sees and somebody's arm gets healed. Like, do that cool trick for us again. Or, hey, give us that food. We're hungry. Give us that, 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 more of that food. And Jesus realizes they're following him, but it's for the wrong reasons. And so he throws something out there. To see how they're going to respond. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And John chapter 6 says, they walk away and they leave. All but the 12. We know for a fact that one time there was 72. But I believe there's even more than that. But if you just go with that number, 60 people walked away. Talking about church growth principles, this is not it. Okay? It's, attrition is not the way you go. 60 people turned around and left. Because it was too difficult, the Bible says, for them. And I'm telling you this in love today. It is, it is easy to follow Jesus when you get the reports you want and you're praising him and everything's good and your bank account is full and everything's wonderful and there's not problems at home and everything's good and your kids are acting right and your spouse is treating you good and everything and it's easy to praise the Lord. Man, that's what we want. Come to church and I will give me a message about how God's going to do all these good things for you. And listen to me, I believe he's good. I, I did a devotion Friday on, on uh, Facebook and, I, and Psalm says this, Surely God, truly God is good to Israel. I believe that. God is good all the time time whether it's good or bad he's good I get it but listen to me what I'm more interested in is helping people learn to follow him even when it doesn't make sense to follow him even when it's difficult to be like Job that says though he slay me yet will I trust him to be like the three Hebrew boys who said even if he doesn't come through we're still not gonna bow that's what it means to follow Jesus it means you know what I'm gonna forgive those it's hard to forgive people that don't like you it's hard to bless those that persecute you don't just pray for them I can pray for people that mistreat me all the time Lord help them to do this help their car to break down Lord I can pray for them all kinds of prayers he didn't just say pray for him. He said bless him. Somebody drives by me speeding. I say, Lord, bless him with a speeding ticket right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> just kidding. But, the, but he did. He said bless them that curse you. Pray for those that spitefully use you. That's where it's difficult. Because now I'm having to actually, do I really believe this? Or is it just my religious duty? I go to church so I can feel good on Sunday afternoons and throughout the week. Do I really believe it? And what separates the sheep from the goat is, at the end of the day, am I going to follow Jesus even when it's uncomfortable and hard 
and difficult. You know what Peter said? Peter gets it wrong most of the time, but this one time he got it right. He says, because Jesus turns to them, and I love this in his humanity, Jesus, they all walk away except the 12, and Jesus said, are you guys going to leave too? Are you going to abandon me? And Peter said, Lord, where are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. And here's what Christian maturity is. It's recognizing even when it's difficult, God is still the only way. Even when it's hard, he is still the only answer that I've got. Even whenever it's not easy and things aren't going everywhere and I'm not wanting to shout, run laps and shout and praise the Lord, I'm still going to follow him because I realize he is the only one that has eternal life that, and he's going to give me the strength. But here's the deal. The deal is I have to have my faith increased. I can't do it in my own strength. I can't forgive people in my own power. I can't forgive people in my own strength. So, Lord, increase my faith so that I can learn to forgive others. Amen? Here's how you do it. The worship team, join me. Here's how you do it. Ephesians, look at this verse together. Let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I'm always looking for sermon illustrations, and I, I got one in between services today, so the first service didn't get this. I was in there, and Benjamin was in my office, and I was always just sit down for about five minutes before I come back in here and kind of collect my thoughts, and I'm sitting there, he, Benjamin comes in, and I reached in my drawer, and I had a couple do dollar bills in there, and I said, here, <clears throat> here's your offering for this morning. I gave him a dollar to give um, in, in children's church, and he said, I think I need two offerings. I said, no, we're fine with one, Benjamin. You're good. Take this one offering, and you're good. I'll keep this for next week in here. You're good. And it dawned on me. You know what? It's always easier to spend somebody else's money. You know? I mean, he, he didn't work for that dollar, that offering. He wants more offering. Well, I bet you do, son. Go get a job, and you can get as much offering as you want. Praise the Lord. But here's the reason I'm telling you this. You know why you're forgiving other people? Because God forgave you. It's not your money you're forgiving them with. It's not your forgiveness, it's theirs. So it should be a lot easier to forgive because it's not ours to begin with. I don't forgive people because they do the right thing. Well, if they repent and they come back and kiss my feet and, I mean, you know, come back groveling to me, then you know what, I'll forgive them then. That's not what Jesus said. You know when Jesus forgave you? In your sin, Christ died for the ungodly. We're going to take communion in a few moments because I want us to be reminded today. We did it at the end on purpose. I want you to be reminded today that his body and his blood was shed, not because you're good enough, but because he loves you. You know why I forgive others? Not because they're good enough. Not because they, they, they hit some mark, but because God in Christ forgave me. And so because of that, I'm tenderhearted and loving and caring toward others Jesus said it this way. You want to fill all the law and the prophets. You want it all summed up. All of this. All these 600-something laws they had in the Old Testament. All this stuff they created. Jesus said, we made it so hard. We got all this stuff. Let me just boil it down to you in two ways. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two things hang all the law and the prophets. You want to do all that stuff they listed? Just love me with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we will get back to understanding this, the enemy wants division. But Jesus wants reconciliation. The enemy wants disunity. But God is calling us to a place of unity. And instead of being offended all the time, 
I learned to be unoffendable. Part of that may be working through what somebody's done to me. Part of it is confronting myself about what I've done to others. But it's working through these things. And when I get to that place, but at the end of the day, why do I forgive? Because God forgave me. And you know what? Let me end by saying this. He didn't have, he didn't have a roster up there that says, I forgave you last time and you blew it. You know what? And, and then a couple months later, he says, yeah, remember when you did this? Remember when you blew it? He doesn't hold against you. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrong. And the truth is this, when I forgive people, I don't hold it against them. I don't say, I forgive you, but you got strike one. I forgive you, you're getting close, I'm about to cut you off. If your brother offends you seven times a day, you go back to him. And if reconciliation occurs, you walk in forgiveness and you don't hold it against them. It's hard to do, but that's what it means to follow after Jesus. I think I said this Wednesday night, but listen to me. Following Jesus is not easy, but it's always worth it. And at the end of things, after all of this, you'll go back and you'll say, man, you know what? I'm so glad I can go to sleep at night and I don't have anything in my heart against other people. I can go to sleep and I have rest because God has worked in me and through me. Would you stand up today? Hey, everybody, thank you so much. We are so honored that you chose to join us today for this message. And our prayer is for you and your family that you would be uplifted and encouraged. If today you receive Christ or if you would like to give to the vision of Landmark Church, if you would go to our website, www.landmarkchurchok.com, there's more information there, how you can do all of that. And also, if you have a prayer request, please let us know how we can be praying for you guys. We love you and hope you have a blessed time.